Welcome to Work From The Inside Out, a podcast that highlights real-life stories, practical strategies, and best practices for transitioning your career from unhappiness and dissatisfaction to fulfillment, meaning, and joy. Now here is your host, career and executive coach, Tammy Guler loeb Hey, everybody. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Michael Friedman. Michael is the founder and CEO of Practical Academics, whose mission is to educate, empower, and engage people in their personal, professional, and civic lives. Practical Academics uses a mentored, small group model to build and deliver meaningful and engaging learning experiences. Their current project brings the benefits of career coaching and professional development down market through CareerStoryBook.com. Practical Academics helps coaches, solopreneurs, and organizations develop their programs and business with design guidance and services, delivery platforms, marketing, and operates a professional development community, the Instructional Artists Collective. In 20 years in top-tier technology businesses, Michael led operational service organizations providing comprehensive services to financial market data customers and technology sales executives. He moved into education to be a dad, and after 15 years in education, followed his entrepreneurial instincts to develop this legacy business. Michael has complemented his working career with public service as the board chair of two nonprofits, a charter school board chair, and a high school district trustee. He volunteers in his local community to support entrepreneurship, talent development, and educational institutions. He has an MA from the Annenberg School at USC Communications Management and a BA from UC Santa Barbara in Speech Communications. Please join me in welcoming Michael Friedman. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Tammy. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for joining us from, you're in the the mountains or the hills. I live in the uh, Sierra foothills, which unfortunately now we refer to as fire country. I'm halfway between uh, Sacramento and Tahoe, so. Yes. Well, hopefully you won't be having more of that, although I know that some people are predicting that. It it is an unfortunate fact of life uh, these days, and particularly here. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, where where the uh, danger was earthquakes. Fires you can run from, earthquakes, not so much. So. Mm. Well, I guess that's a little bit more of an optimistic perspective. But speaking of growing up, yeah. here we are on Work From the Inside Out, where we talk about the twists and the turns and the journeys that people have been on in their careers. Take us back to some of your earlier years, your formative years, yeah. and how those may have led you to, to where you are today. It absolutely has led me to this state, this business that I'm doing. It, it really is a product of who I am and what I believe. Personally, I'm grateful to have grown up with very open, uh, progressive parents who didn't have secrets. I'm an adoptee. I grew oh. up always knowing that I was adopted. Mm. Uh, I had the unfortunate experience of divorce when I was young, and that shaped my life. Uh, on the other side, I grew up in a pretty affluent area. 
uh, with a stable home and ultimately six parents. Wow. <laughs> my, my, ice, my icebreaker is that I have more parents than first cousins. <laughs> uh, so I was basically in the same through uh, school through high school, which was a, a bit of stability, which helps. Yeah. Uh, and um, um, I ended up, uh, you know, finding my way to college. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't clearly tracked to college. My parents were of the generation that was pretty hands off. They wanted to provide a stable home, but they wanted me to figure it out on my own. Um, so, you know, j- jumping forward a bit, I have two boys who are now 18 and 20, and I try to take a middle ground, somewhere between do it on your own and a helicopter parent. My philosophy is, <laughs> <laughs> my philosophy is to, to uh, be on their advisory board. <laughs> oh, I like that. A, par- a parental advisory board. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I... Uh, you know, half my family is shrink, so I always had uh, an interest in the inner, inner life and in the mind. Mm. But I didn't want to be a shrink. And the other half of my family is entertainment, which uh, requires you to be 100% committed and dedicate your life to the field. And I had too many, too, uh, too many interests to go into that field. So I bounced around a couple of majors and ended up in communications because it allowed me to continue to study the life of the mind. And and I was interested in the area of communications of interpersonal and small group, Ah. which is, you know, you might call soft psychology. Um, And then ended up uh, at, at the graduate school where I thought I was going to be the maven for public access uh, television stations. Uh-huh. I've, I've always been, I grew up in the early 70s. Uh, that was my kind of, uh, you know, when I was a teen and becoming aware. Uh, and my, my joke about that is that I was old enough to know what was going on and young enough not to be kept in jail overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But I grew up around UCLA in the early 70s. So it was, you know, uh, an epicenter of uh, social change. Yeah. Environmentalism is important to me. Um, uh, you know, civil rights is important to me. The mm-hmm. Vietnam War uh, was was a hot topic, so I was very steeped in in uh, social action and justice, both both from family influence as well as the time and place that I grew up. Um, so I was an NPR buff early on, and I thought, oh, cable TV is a new industry, and this is 1980, and. Uh, uh, um, c- cable access channels were popping up when yeah. a, uh, a when a municipality would award a contract, they would extract from the you know in effect monopoly cable monopoly yeah. right. enough money to build up a studio. But after a few months, I figured out I, that was my first goal. I, my first job was with a cable TV company, and I wanted to move into corporate and be their director of public access. But they didn't care. They, you know, they just they just you know, bought some cameras and funded a studio on a one-shot deal. Mm. Uh, and it was up to the community to build the programming and hire the people. So, you know, now 50 years later, we have a bunch of low-functioning public assets that have, you know, decent cameras, but no operating budget. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there was, so that, you know, I quickly gave that up and bounced around to a couple of jobs and ended up um, just haphazardly in, uh, a really good company. Um, uh, the company is called Quotron, and it had created and owned the financial financial market data business hmm. uh, in the 70s. And I was there from 84 to 96, which was a great time to be in a high-end tech business because um, 
one, it was a very high end. It was our customers were brokers and CFOs. So if we had the best product, we could pretty much charge premium prices. It was a great nexus of high tech and high finance. So it was a great business. It was an excellent company. Uh, and I got to go from 84 to 96 through the migration of proprietary network and hardware and software to open source and shareware. I got, a, I got to transition into the internet while in this tech business, which was mm-hmm. a great experience of life. Um, uh, they eventually uh, uh, got bought by a, a, a European competitor. Uh, and I went with a startup telecom company, which was a whole lot of fun. We, we launched 40 markets in three years. Wow. Uh, and then that whole industry imploded. Um, and my last corporate stint was with a enterprise software company in Silicon Valley, where we were building a cloud-based uh, project management software for large enterprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was an interesting early SaaS business. Yeah. And it was brutal. God, the culture was awful. I had come from traditional management structure yeah. to the wild west of the dot-com yeah. And people were poaching employees and managers were working against each other. It was just a nightmare. Hmm. So now my major transition, it was uh, tied to that uncomfortable and poor fit job. Uh, and th- there were some unethical things there at, at, uh, that also were kind of poisoning my feeling towards the business. Uh, the way the industry, it wasn't a company, it was the industry had some ethical challenges. Um, and at the same time, I had two kids. I had my first son born in 2000, my second in 2002. And then yeah. the dot-com bust blew up the company. Right. They cut half their staff. And then uh, 9-11 happened. So right. uh, no one was hiring. I was out of work for a while. I had two babies at home. And my uh, wife at the time said, well, you thought, you thought you'd be a teacher in retirement. What about now? You can like do the lead parent thing. And I jumped at that. I'm an adoptee. At the chance to be a hands-on dad. No question. Yeah. yeah. So I started by uh, teaching some online courses at University of Phoenix and decided I liked the role. So I went and got a credential. I would have been happier, I think, at a community college. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do publish parish, you know, yeah. state or, you know, you know university level uh, academics. I didn't have a PhD or the interest. Uh, so I thought community college would be a good place. But at the time, uh, getting a full-time community job community college position was not compatible with being a parent. Ah, I see. You, you, you know, you have a varied schedule, changes every semester. Right. You know, you're, you're like, it's like a, uh, an Uber driver. You never know what you're going to do. <laughs> and unfortunately, the uh, contingent workforce economy, uh, that, that's, that's in the contingent workforce economy. So it's like all these other jobs where you can have a consistent life, which yeah. is a, a real issue. That's a major social issue. Yeah. So I became a high school teacher. And I taught high school English, and I ended up happy at a charter school where I had curricular freedom. Uh, I could create my own program, and I have un- unhappy stories about traditional schools where you don't have that kind of freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we'll get into that a bit. But that all informed what I'm doing now. So if you take my interest in the mind mm-hmm. and psychology, if you take my operational um, uh, management background in tech businesses, and you add in um, a small student teacher ratio charter school where I got to do personalized teaching with curriculum that I could adapt to, uh, to the students and meet their individual needs. You end up with practical academics. So you, you read the model, practical academics is, uh, so when I left teaching, 
I, it occurred to me, I thought about it for a while and I said, what do I want to do? I'm 55. I want to have an impact. I want to take a shot at doing something impactful in the world. Mm-hmm. So my most recent experience was with high school where I, I kind of group kids into three groups. There were the high-end, very engaged group that took my offer of independent study and just ran with it. They mm-hmm. loved it. When I see them around town, they thank me. Best yeah. teacher I ever had. You really enabled my empowerment as a person. Um, the, the second group were the people that I, that I consider were already kind of jaded. Uh, you know, I would, I would offer them independent study uh, and custom and English. I, I took English as communication and comprehension and communication. So it didn't matter what you were studying. So I said, you can do your own thing, you know, do what's engaging to you. And then we'll do, write a paper. You'll give us a presentation. You will share what you learned. Anyway, the second group was already checked out and they just said, you know, shut up, read me, give me the worksheet and leave me alone. I'm going to chat with my friends in the back of the room. <laughs> and the, uh, and the third group of kids were those that, um, where my heart went out to because they were in conflict. Uh, they knew they weren't getting what they needed. Mm. They knew they weren't being prepared for life at a high school level, but they couldn't, um, that, that was subconscious. They weren't aware. So they either responded um, outwardly or inder- inwardly. Mm. They either exploded and they got in trouble mm. or they imploded and they emotionally collapsed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I see the high school population. And that's my experience in my view. Yeah. How many years were you teaching? Uh, about seven full years. And some of that was a couple of part-time years. Uh-huh. That. I, I taught a year of elementary uh, and I taught a year in a traditional high school. Uh-huh. And, uh, four years at a small charter high school, which was a blessing. Mm. And then I spent a year at a credit recovery high school, which was a lot of fun. That was the last year I taught in 2017. Credit recovery is where the kids who implode go. Ah, okay. When you explode, you go to a continuation school or you go to juvenile detention or whatever. You're taking Mm -hmm. drugs or getting into fights. But the kids who imploded just didn't try anymore. Mm. So they didn't have credits to graduate. So they were put in a a smaller, more hands-on environment where, I I hate to say it, and, and the school I was at was just one school, but we were in a chain link compound and uh, it, 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 the environment was awful. Portable, portables, chainly compound, and and the curriculum bar was lowered for them. We were doing anything anything that we could to justify giving them passing grades so they can get a diploma. So my view is that we lower the bar, and uh, that that degrades the value of a high school diploma when you do that. Um, but the fun part was uh, the principal gave me a lot of freedom. So in the guise of teaching English, which again, I uh, I understood as comprehension and communication, Mm -hmm. I taught a few things. And the most exciting thing I taught was entrepreneurship. Uh, uh Entrepreneurship is, if you think about what what you would do from a curriculum perspective to teach entrepreneurship is research, competitive analysis, presentation skills, put a little budget together here, learn, learn how to use Excel. I'll, I'll give you a budget template, uh, collaboration. Cause I did this in teams. Mm. Uh, and it was a big hit. So I am delighted 
and happy to tell the world through your podcast that I snuck one under the wire. I taught <laughs> entrepreneurship to credit recovery high school kids, and they loved it, and they got credit, and most of them got out of high school. And I hope a lot of them got a sense of their own kind of agency and empowerment of the yeah. world. Oh, that's wonderful. Our listeners can't see this, but as you're talking about that, you're grinning from ear to ear as you're talking about that. Um, and you can just see you, you light up as you talk about that. I, I wanted to just, before we move yeah. further ahead, cause I know we're going to sort of plunge into a lot more of what you're doing now. Yeah. I just wanted to reflect back just, just for a couple of minutes, your, you know, kind of your, your roots and, and where you began. I, I mean, uh, not, not, not all the way back, but, you know, you started off with this, with this notion of communications and and from the perspective of the interpersonal small group and becoming you know kind of an NPR buff and um, your interest in in you know a variety of communications and and then kind of found your way into um, more of a high tech world. And I was curious how that actually occurred. <laughs> that was an accident. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was working through a temp agency. Ah, okay. I, I had a master's degree with no mission or purpose. Okay. I accomplished the goal. Okay. Go to school, get your degrees. Yeah. Um, and what, what, what is a stat I just saw? I'm not sure this is a hard stat, but I think it's generally true. Uh, I think it's from uh, the Designing Your Life book. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 20, uh, young adults up to 27, 80% of that population has no idea what they want to do when they grow up. Yeah. Uh, um, and something along that scale, maybe three quarters of college graduates end up working in fields unrelated to their academic work. Yeah. Yeah. So those are core problems. And that's, you know, that those informs what I'm trying to do yeah, with yeah. my business. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you're you're part of that statistic. I am. So to to finish the story, I got a temp job. You know, you know, if, in effect, the mailroom, whatever it was. I think I was doing billing analysis for for phone bills, uh, and I got along with the people. And there was an opening for a telecommunications analyst. And my field communications includes telecommunications, and my master's program uh, prepared me for uh, the, the future digital world. I see. Uh, uh, so, so I had academic background in telecom and networks yeah. uh, too. Not as an engineer, but from a management perspective. I see. So I applied for the job. I got the job. And, uh, and the, the happy story was I loved the company. Mm. You know, in the 70s, there was a lot of anti-establishment ethic. And I was uh, infected with that belief set. And many people still are. This was a well-run company. It was a delight to work there. There were talented, passionate people. And I was there for 12 years. It was, it yeah. was a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, what I lived through in that time, which I think is relevant to kind of the bigger picture and trends, is this, the disassembly of uh, career jobs. Yes. And, and, and up until the 80s, it was reasonable to think that you get a good degree, you go to, the, go to uh, a company, you get in on the ground floor, and you work your way as far as you can get. Right. And you have a life job, you have a pension, 
You can raise a family. You can have a home. You don't have to move three times where you lose the value of your home when you right. sell. Right. Um, uh, um, and so I saw, I saw that the pension plan got disassembled. Yes. We ended up, you know, ended up being project based, uh, work. That's where my, my, my view of that is the monkey see monkey do uh, theory. A <laughs> hundred years ago, our common, uh, literature was the Bible. We all had a common reference. Now our common literature is media. Yes. So we're, we're monkey see monkey do. We look at a, a common, highly structured social environment, and that's what, the world, the lives we create. Now our common heritage is all project-based work. The entertainment industry is all project-based. People come together, they shoot a movie, put together a series, and then they dissipate. Right. And that was part of why I didn't want to go into entertainment because I didn't want to be job hunting the rest of my life. Right. Well, but that was always pretty much when entertainment was. But I right. The rest of the world lived differently. And, you know, people like, you know, you and I are in the same generation. You know, many of us at least were witness to uh, our parents' generation where they pretty much did the same job or stayed pretty much in the same field. Maybe, you know, our proverbial parents' generation did exactly what you said. You, You were trained in something, you worked in it, and you you know, finished out and then spent your golden years. Yeah. You know, that's gone. That is gone. And that, and right. that, is, that is a key trend that informs what we're doing. Okay. The, the, the fact is that everyone listening to this is going to change jobs every couple of years. Right. Right. And yet, and, and yet those of us who were raised to think about it differently have had a big adjustment. And some of us in our generation are still telling our kids to think about their careers as if the world is still the old world. My oldest, my oldest son is a victim of that thinking. Right. Because we we didn't know any differently, but we're here to tell everybody, right? Don't think that way anymore. It's not like happens. So I took my son to um, community college counselor. What's the first question she asked? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's your college major? What job do you want? He doesn't have any idea. And those are and the wrong he, questions to be asking, really. The, the wrong questions to be asking. Because kids in high school, so here, here's more observation. High school has four core subjects. English, history, not even social sciences, just history. Right. Math and science. How much of that is relevant to the world? If you look at a college, how many subjects are there? Hundreds. Right. Right. So one thing I did as an English teacher in a charter school where I had some freedom was I threw in an article every week from some magazine about someone in some career. Yeah. Here's an article about someone who's in journalism. Here's an article about someone who's in this. Just to give them an inkling. What if I, if I were emperor, I would do a few things. One, I would put, I would uh, put survey courses in high schools. Yeah. Our high schools were built in the industrial era of a two-class system. All yeah. we need to do in high school is give them enough so they can read the safety notices in the manufacturing plant they're going to work at. Mm. We don't want them too smart because we don't want to competing with our kids who are sending to Harvard MBA school. Yeah. Uh, I, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. I, I think everyone deserves to have a full world-class education. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that that's the end the end game of my business. 
So let's I, let's go there. The end game of the business. So I'm doing three things. I'm I'm going where the market isn't, and okay. I'm going where I see opportunity. Career uh, Career Storybook is career and professional development communities. It's a group based model, meaning you get the benefit of a peer network and a lower cost than you would pay if you were in one-on-one coaching. So when I uh, talk to a coach about coming on board with us, I say, let's build a symbiotic relationship. To to make a living as a career coach, you you have to charge 150 or 200 bucks an hour to be able to make a living. Uh, That means you're at the high end of the market. So good career coaches work at the high end of the market, and that's fine. And And what I say is, come to a group with us and we'll serve the middle and lower ends of the market with a lower price point. And I believe that the quality of the coaching, if it's set up right with you know, some peer support can be just as good and in some cases better than mm-hmm. one-on-one. Yeah. Especially our, our intent is to roll these groups into ongoing professional development communities. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a weekly or biweekly or monthly group with people who are in your particular professional niche, in your segment. They know you, you know them, you get peer support, you can pick up the phone, you can send them an email when you have a challenge in your profession, and you get real-time support. It's ongoing professional development. Mm-hmm. And that, what we touched on the point earlier about having to take charge of your own career. Right. You want that. You want that team in your, in your court. Right. Right. And who would you say are the the ideal or the target market for these groups? Are these people who've been around the block a couple of times or well, well the way we just re-released our product with a tiered structure. We have mm-hmm. a free version. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to join up. <laughs> it's a series of courses that if you're an autodidact, if you're capable of going through on your own, you, get, you can dust up your career plan on your own without paying a dime. Mm-hmm. My belief and my business is based on the value of relationships. Self-paced learning is hard. Yes. Some people can do it. Most people need support of someone who can cheer Milan keep them accountable, give them creative support. And if you have a trained coach, a professional coach, you're even better off. Right. So we have a freemium tier. We have a low-cost subscription tier with peer-based groups. And then we have coaches who offer their specialty based on who they serve best and what they do best. So we have a guy who does Gallup strengths. We have a woman who does interview prep. Right. We have coaches who serve target markets like sales professionals or women in leadership or recent college graduates or people seeking remote work. So when, when I recruit coaches, I ask them, who is your segment? Right. I want, this is is the coaching value proposition, right? Do what you do best. I give that right back to the coach. Who do you serve best? Right. I want you just to serve who you do best. One, it's good business because you're more aligned with that population. Right. And two, it helps me offer a range mm-hmm. of coaching options to the market where there's less people competing with each other. You know, I, I want to have to manage coaches competing with each other. Right. Yeah. Right. So those are the three groups, the, the, th- the three offerings under Career Story. But there's more that you're doing right now. 
Is that right? Well, the Career Storybook platform, that's kind of a synopsis of the platform of where it's at. We will right. offer, you know, uh, we are also going to build a scholarship program. Once we get enough people through the program and we can Got show it. show efficacy, mm-hmm. um, we can show that we can, you know, accomplish what we set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be able to get some uh, grant funding and scholarship funding for people who could use the help. Right. Right. So I, I do. I'm, what I tell the coach is my, my ideal situation is I'm going to deliver six people in your segment to your group prepaid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hard to say no to that. <laughs> right. That's, 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 my, that's my holy grail. Yeah. Um, so that is the application of the model to the career and professional development right. segment. And um, the model, again, is make it personalized, make it, care, make it relevant to the individual. Right. Because if it's relevant to them, they'll be engaged. Right. It's a mentored small group, which we talked about. You get the peer support, the accountability, creativity, and the leadership. Right. right. Uh, it's a blended learning model, which means the content's all online, just like the other online providers. Mm-hmm. You can do it at your own pace. Whenever you have an internet connection, that's a wonderful thing. But you got a group meeting to support it. Right. So once your group is uh, solid and groups take time to develop, to develop yes. cohesiveness, right. um, which again is the argu- another argument for doing the ongoing professional development community. Right, right. Once your group is solid, then what we teach our coaches and our teachers is a variety of interactive strategies. Mm-hmm. Role-playing, case-based learning, problem-based learning, uh, gamification, and uh, strategy we're developing called fictionalization. Mm. Um, and if you, those t- toolkits are available to our coaches and teachers to create um, learning experiences, right? So um, next up on our plate is to develop soft skills programs. Nice. Soft skills are universal. They're transferable. They're applicable to just about any career. So a set of soft skills programs where not only is it valuable, where you are transformed and you develop these skills, but you have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Right? So our, 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 our pillars are, it's a valuable resource. You're getting something out of it. Right. And having fun while you're doing it, you're engaged. So that, that's, wow. that's my design guideline. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love the vision. I, I think it, it all makes perfect sense. It's, it's totally, it's really what is desperately needed right now. Yeah. COVID or no COVID. I mean, we're still in the midst of COVID as we're talking right now. Um, hopefully by the time this airs, things will start to look even brighter. Um, but it's, it's really, I, I love the vision and I love what you bring to it with all that you've done in your career and what you've learned in the last several years from your teaching experience and working with young people, it, um, it really, uh, you know, you're, you're able to bring such a depth to what you're designing here. And I can tell that as you're talking about it, that it, it kind of, it almost like, it's almost like you designed it from your soul or something, Michael, it just, feels like it just came out of you. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was 55. Isn't that I was walking through life. I'm a reasonably intelligent, hardworking guy, right? No, 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 nothing special, right? I was good at communicating and collaborating, right? So I was a project manager. I was an operational manager. None of that really challenged me. 
Mm. And none of it fed my soul. I like the interaction. I like being productive. All that is good, right? That's mm. a job. Yeah. Um, when, when I um, left high school and I reflected on what do I want to do, and it occurred to me that I wanted to do something meaningful, it, this came to me and it developed quickly and it hasn't left. Yeah. It really is my calling, my mission. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. So, so Michael, if, if somebody is um, thinking about their what's next, may, maybe they've had something in their life already that they've loved doing, maybe not, but they're saying to themselves, I really, I'm really ready to figure that out. What would you, what would be a key piece of advice that you would give them as a next step? Start down the path. It's a journey. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a journey of discovery. Um, in effect, you're taking an entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the entrepreneurial path of your life. And it is a circuitous path. Mm -hmm. And you'll learn. So if you study entrepreneurial literature, you know, lean startup and agile development. Yeah. All those things will apply to you personally. Yeah. You've got to um, create your minimum viable product, get it out there, get feedback, try again, uh, mm -hmm. pivot, try new things. Yeah. When that I started doesn't mean this, you have to be an entrepreneur necessarily. It's the, it's the mindset and the approach that you're pointing to. It's the mindset. And, and here's what's, what, what I think everyone should. Mm. If, and and coaching, coaching serves this. The more you become self-aware, and coaching helps you become self-aware. Yes. Right. When you take your first Myers-Briggs and you go, gee, I'm an extrovert. Oh, and other people are introverts. Yeah. There's people who are different than me. Mm -hmm. What is that? That's called empathy. Yes. And where does empathy lead? To compassion. Mm -hmm. And all that leads to, oh, there's meaning to be had in the world. I want to do something meaning, meaningful. Um, so you, the, the nature of coaching teaches you who you are. It teaches you that other people are different. It teaches you how to be a team player. Yeah. Because now you honor other people's differences and you recognize that those diverse attributes, when properly organized, create the best outcomes. Yes. Right. We're, we all work in organizations, even if we're solopreneurs, we're yes. still working in an ecosystem of, of clients and partners. Right. We're, we're collaborative right. critters. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So speaking of, of collaborative entities, tell us how people can get in touch with you and find your collaborative entity. <laughs> how can they find you? Well, Career Storybook is uh, an open book. There's a contact sheet. Um, um, you know, feel free to send me an email. Um, Michael at careerstorybook.com uh, is a way to do it. Um, I'm happy to uh, to connect with just about anyone. The, the My app, Oscar uh, uh, of the year goes to Calendly. Once, ah, I, okay. once I found the Calendly app, I send people a link and they book a time with me on Zoom. And that has really enabled the business. People are, if, if you make it easy, People who show up. Yeah, I can so attest I'm happy to, to have that. Yeah. So jo join Career Storybook. Go to yes. the homepage and click the join button and you'll become a user in our uh, community. You'll get access to those seven free courses. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're just coming up to speed here. Um, Kelsey is new on board. She's our community manager. 
We'll have email support. We have open office hours. Oh, nice. Our, our brand promise to the market is that relationships make a difference. I love it. All right. So we're going to be there. And we're going to try and form you guys into groups. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Be, be in a group. We'll support peers, peer groups. Uh, and we'll, we'll suggest that you hire a professional coach because you'll have better outcomes. Work in your community. Work with a coach. This has been great, Michael. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, we will have all of your contact information and links and ways that people can find you and Career Storybook in the show notes. So I am sure you will be hearing from people. Thank you so much for being here today. And I hope that, um, I hope the fires stay away from you. Well, it's a part of life now, thanks. <laughs> but uh, let, me, let me just throw one more comment in. Uh, the, another right. ethic of this is the sooner we can get young adults connected to who they are, the better their lives are going to be. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Michael Friedman. It was so interesting to speak with him about his professional journey. What is your key takeaway from our interview? If you are interested in any of the resources or links, mentioned in today's podcast, you can find them on the blog page of my website at www.tammygoolerlobe.com. Just look for episode 131. Are you thinking about what your next professional move might be? Maybe you're feeling just a little stuck. Get specialized group and individualized support, insights, and accountability from a brilliant mix of professional women in a safe, non-judgmental creative space. Join one of my hybrid mastermind coaching groups starting on a rolling basis. You can learn more at https bit.ly navigating career change. If you were inspired by this episode with Michael, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, Subscribing is always free. Are you enjoying the podcast? I'd appreciate your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find through my website at tammygoolerlobe.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the Apple Podcast button and follow the instructions provided there. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's never too late or too impossible to increase your sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in your work and other meaningful activities. I'd love to hear how it's going for you. Feel free to drop me a line. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Work From The Inside Out podcast. For more information, you can find us at www.workfromtheinsideout.com.